Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that storms off for 15 minutes and holds up the entire table only to fizzle at the last second, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I'm joined by the Simpsons impressionist herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? I am doing very well. My week's been pretty quiet actually. I've had in terms of like mm. magic, I've had like a lot of non-magic stuff to get on with. But I did manage to pick up some Jumpstart boosters because they actually exist within Europe now, like three months later than expected. So that's that was pretty sweet. Nice. Um, I opened a Allosaurus Shepherd, the, nice, yeah. the uncounterable elf that's like absurd in legacy. <laughs> so that's pretty stonks. I, I managed to flip that pretty quickly. I have been taking a short break from Hades, though. Hate to say it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, I felt like I was playing a bit too much of it. And I'm like, uh, I've kind of got adult stuff to do. So I'm taking a short break because, you know adult life sucks yeah so i hope to get back into that next week um otherwise in terms of content i am looking to talk about commander a tcg player which is mm. completely new for me so that's going to be fun i'm offering a upgrade guide on the sneak attack precom. nice there's new zendikar rising commander deck because they're really really good and rogues are sweet so that'll be quite yeah. fun to do also, next Monday on the 2nd of November, I will have my Commander Legends preview Ooh. out. So there'll be three, three cards that I'll be uh, previewing on TCG Player, like early Monday morning. So if you're in America, when you wake up, they will nice. be there ready for you. And yeah, quite excited to share yeah. some stuff. How about you? What have you been I also haven't done a whole lot of magic stuff this week, really. Pretty much the extent of it was chatting with a few of my friends about different decks that we're considering building, mostly for Commander, that kind of thing. Mm. And then also talking with yourself about the Christmas plans that we were going to have for the BM cast. Yeah. I have a couple of things in the in the works at the moment. So I am very excited. <laughs> um, but outside of Magic uh, is where I was spending a lot of my time this week. I got back into composing music, which is fantastic. I write quite a bit of music, but in the last two years or so, like my musical output has just dropped significantly. Like I was basically not picking up instruments for like weeks or even months at a time. And I was getting a bit concerned. I was like unsure as to whether I would actually ever pick up an instrument again. But, you know, I ended up doing it. Um, just being like, no, just pick it up and, and just see what happens. And I did and started getting there and then ended up getting properly back into it this week. Not to plug my own SoundCloud on the podcast here or anything, but there's a piece up on my SoundCloud. <laughs> SoundCloud.com forward slash Javant here. It's there. You can take a listen if you want. But... Uh, yeah, it's great. It's just really nice to be able to have like a different kind of creative outlet sometimes, because yeah. if you're just doing the same that. thing over and over again, you're just going to burn yourself out, you know, and I, yeah. I think that's what happened with me with music. Yeah, I kind of get nice. that because um, like I paint Warhammer once in a while as well. So it's just really nice mm. to have this creative output that isn't just writing. And it's, it's something I can just not think about and just appreciate it like for what it is and it's just it's really st i find it quite stimulating because it's not doesn't feel like work or anything like that so yeah yeah and then game wise i played delta rune last night and i loved it delta rune what's it about it's it's the follow-up game to undertale did cult classic at this point um okay. but a lot of the same characters are in it that were in mm. undertale it's a free game it's being released in chapters and only the first chapter is out so far it took me like two and a half hours to complete it last night, but okay. two and a half hours very, very well spent. The It looks and sounds just like Undertale. And Ooh, okay. that is to say that the soundtrack is amazing. I yeah, just like Toby I've, Fox is the composer, also the creator of Undertale and Deltarune, and he's he does everything in it. He creates the entire game. He's made oh, all wow. the sprites. He's made all the sound effects, all the sounds, all the battle systems. Everything is this one 
person who happens to be two years younger than me and that makes me feel incredibly inadequate <laughs> but i highly recommend playing it it is super 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 good oh, super enjoyable i have to check it out because i was quite a big fan of undertale um i will yeah. say though i've been listening to a lot of the Hades soundtrack so that soundtrack is as we say in the uk it's banging it's very very good that's so another another one of my favorite composers of all time darren korb yeah done the Hades soundtrack it's so, so good there's so many talented composers out there right now and they're all in game music and it's great. Yeah. But moving on to actually magic related things. This is our this is our magic bit for the week. This is what we're doing. So we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping first of all. First bit of housekeeping is that Pioneer's first birthday was this week. Woohoo, I think. Yeah. I yeah. I mean it, 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 honestly like- it feels like it's been way way longer. That and like with the way that Pioneer is kind of going at the moment, it feels like you're saying happy birthday to that really weird, awkward cousin that you see once in a while that you kind of don't like, but you feel like you have to say something. Like it's just mm-hmm. that weird family member that you're just like, uh. <laughs> like at, the, at one point you're like, oh yeah, yeah, they're great, and they're going actually, they've, they've turned a bit, you know. The cool uncles turned into the creepy uncle. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Which is a shame because I, I was quite a big proponent of pioneer when it first came out Same. and you know was yeah. very very excited for it and i hope it comes back in some capacity because it'd be really sad if not yeah well i mean from what people are saying it seems to be pretty healthy at the moment but it's also just full of piles like it's just yeah. it's just piles of good cards like there's niv pile right. and i'm not pile and fires pile and like pfft, like pioneer no thanks pioneer. sorry yeah Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for me, though. Not for me. No, uh, no. But no, I do hope it comes back because I really enjoy playing like Feather and Ors of Auras in its, yeah. in its peak. And there was just, I just, I think, think the issue that Pioneer has at the moment um, is just there's no creativity. Yep. Like, I, I remember a time when like Possibility Storm was about, and I'm like, man, if this is what Pioneer's going to be, Pioneer's going to be sweet yeah. because it's just such a. Like you wouldn't predict that would be a deck in any capacity in the format, yeah. and it's just kind of sad just to see it kind of fall on its ass. Let's say. <laughs> yeah, I just want a format where Phoenix is playable. Like, come on, one format, please. One day, Scott. One day. One day. One day. I can't tell day- when, but one day. <laughs> the day they unban looting and modern. Anyway. Uh- <laughs> oh, uh, Scott! I just saw a pig fly in the sky. If you, if you, you don't know if it's coming your way, but. Listen here, right? That's that. <laughs> also, we would like to give a huge thank you to Scott Creech, who is our latest patron of the Stonks tier. So, thank you Ooh. very much. As a Stonks tier patron, they will get exclusive access to all the extra resources we produce for the show. For example, Scott's Pauper Commander format staple database is like loads of work that goes into it. So, if you're interested in any of the resources that we build for the podcast, Join the stonks here because, you know, you'll get some stonks on. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show. And their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. So our main topic for today is budget decks. Surprise, surprise. Emma and I are going to talk about our top three budget decks. 
technically of all time, I guess. You know, like... Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we're, we're kind of being very, very broad and loose with the term because this covers any and all formats, I guess. Um, mm. But in some ways that sort of disqualifies some things in some ways. Like, for example, I would probably have Mono Blue Tempo from Standard a couple of years ago on this list, but I'm not going to include it because it's no longer relevant because it's rotated out of Standard and it's not really playable anywhere else, that kind of thing, you know, so... This is mostly going to be eternal formats and that kind of thing. But yeah, we'll get, we'll get into them. We're going to explain what makes them so good, why we've chosen them, and if there's any little tips for them and that kind of thing as well. Yeah. But all of these deck lists will be available on our Patreon. Our cheering fanatic tier is where you will be able to get access to all of these deck lists. So I kind of cheated, sort of, kind of. How because many is <laughs> because I have a top three, but I also have a top three honorable mentions. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. And how many of them are is it decks? Let's be honest. Uh, none of them, actually. Okay, none of okay. them at all. Yeah. Okay. There are actually good reasons as to why I've got honorable mentions. Okay. First one is Twiddlestorm. Now, the reason that I have this listed in honorable mentions is because we already covered it in the $100 Modern Color Challenge for Blue. So. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be just repeating ourselves onto this episode. So I'll leave it for this one. Uh, Also, we covered Mm -hmm. 8 Rack in the $100 color challenge for (laughs) black. So I don't really want to put that here as well, because again, we'll just be repeating ourselves. And the other one is Mono Black Control and Pauper. Now, the reason I'm not including this one is because it's really, really good. It's really, really fun. But adding a pauper deck to top three budget decks kind of feels like cheating because in theory, you could turn around and be like, oh, uh, five color flicker tron in pauper. That's a budget deck because it's like $70, but it's also tier friggin zero and absolutely stomps and wails across the entire format like the big boogeyman that it is. That kind of feels like cheating, sort of. It is a bit cheating. Nice try, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they're my honourable mentions anyway. Now that I've had a chance to talk, Emma, do you want to talk about your first one, number three? Yes. So this is not going to be surprising, and it's probably quite predictable, but, you know, whatever. I think it's great. Um, So we're going to talk about Pioneer for a second, because, you know, you might still want to play Pioneer you're kind of curious about Mm -hmm. it and you don't want to spend loads of money on it just because of how wishy-washy and it is at the moment. So my suggestion is Mono White Auras, which is Mm. a really good Bogle style deck that is Mono White, so you don't have stuff like Glacover Scout, but you do have stuff like Sram, who's a really good placeholder on like Core Spirit Dancer and Modern. You draw loads of cards and you put loads of pants on it. So you're an Aura Enchantment Aggro deck where you just suit up some some frets and you just turn sideways thanks mm. to ferris beyond death you have a lot of great enchantments and you have a lot of great spells so Carmetra's blessing is a really great one it's basically blossoming defense for the deck yeah. which is awesome um and then you have like the l seed of life's bounty which is like a, a pseudo sort of mother of runes as well which can also protect mm. enchantments yeah and it's like 60 dollars, and you just play loads of planes and x ones and you turn sideways what more could you want yeah it's really really nice I weirdly like Outside of Life's Bounty in the deck here more than any other deck because, mm. like, sure, you can't give it protection from white, but, like, nothing else is really playing white. No. So it's fine. Like, 
it's got some reference to like mother of runes and giver of runes. So I'll see the life yeah. of life's bounty is like the stepdad kind of of, of the cycle. Like <laughs> the the older brother that was put in charge while mom went there shopping yeah, or this something. Is, yes, yeah, yeah. this is it. <laughs> um, and then you so you have stuff like ethereal armor, which powers stuff up. You have uh, all that glitters, which is a similar effect, oh, yeah. which is really good. And also you can run some artifacts with it because all that glitters triggers with artifacts. So you run stuff like shadow spear mm-hmm. as well, which a lot of issues you have with like enchantment aggro decks is having trample and in modern you have rancor which is a great way to have trample mm. so by just running a couple of shadow spear it just gives you that trample to allow you to push through with your 21 21 with first rate lifelink flying and the rest of it yeah that's nice and especially if you're playing against like slower decks or combo decks like these sort of decks just mow them over. So in terms of like as a starting point, if you're interested in Pioneer, it's a really good one. Mm. And your games are going to be quick. So For sure. You've got such good cyborg cards as well. I'm just looking here, like yes. Rest in Peace, Hushbringer, because you don't really have any ETB effects or dies effects. So they're basically just free inclusions. Like there's, yes, there's just- no downside to you running them. That's really, really good. Just don't side them in against the Uro opponent. Um, yeah. But then you've got Apostle of the Purifying Light, which is a great card. Because it's just got yeah. pro black. Black's really good in Pioneer at the moment, so this card is great. It eats Uros as well because it exiles cards from graveyards. It's a really great utility card in white. It's super, super handy. It's actually, mm. depending on what way the decks that you end up facing could just be main deckable at some stage. You know, yeah. if there's a lot of like Blood Chief Thirst and Fatal Pushes, and it's almost like a white scavenger news. And then you have stuff like Rest in Peace as well because that's Pioneer legal too. Yeah. But yeah, you've just got all these great options and putting pants on creatures and turning sideways never gets old for me. So It is nice to crack it out sometimes and just turn sideways with like a 17-17 and they're like, how am I supposed to beat this? I'm like, that's for you to figure out. <laughs> yeah, masters for blockers. Yeah. Let's go. What's your number three? I, I want to I hear yours. My number three, weirdly, is probably the most competitive or poten- has the highest potential to be competitive out of all of mine. It's a Jeskai and Soul list for Pioneer as well. We've seen Izzet and Soul lists show up since the birth of Pioneer. They're just solid. They're quite linear, but they're extremely fast. And they can be surprisingly disruptive as well. So the general idea of the Insoul decks is to run Insoul Artifact, which turns any artifact into a creature with base power and toughness 5-5. Five, five. And it's an aura, so you just pants it on. In a way, it's like Artifact Pants. Right. Yeah, it's oh, fat pants. <laughs> and you have 20 creatures in the deck, uh, 16 of which are artifacts. And then you have eight other artifacts in the deck, like Ghostfire Blade and Springleaf Drum. And then on top of that, you've also got Darkseal Citadel in your mana base as well, which is an indestructible land. So you could, on turn one, play Darkseal Citadel, turn two, play like a Spire of Industry or something, and then install artifact onto Darkseal Citadel and you have an indestructible 5-5. That can be an insanely fast clock. It closes out games with stuff like Shrapnel Blast, which will just sack an artifact, deal 5 damage to something. But one of the things I like about this is it's extremely easy to upgrade. Some of the better builds of this deck will run stuff like Walking Ballista or, well, Walking Ballista's banned, um, but Hangerback Walker or Stonecoil Serpent and that kind of thing. And depending on what you will be facing in your metagame, you can just customize this so much. You know, like mm. you have card advantage in the form of, say, like Bowmack Courier, 
you can become unblockable with like ginger brutes and that kind of thing. And then you can just disrupt people with like Hope of Giripur or Phyrexian Revoker. One of the counter spells that's run main deck with this a lot is Stubborn Denial because you're going to have a five power creature on turn two almost definitely mm. nearly every single yeah. time. It's so sweet. It's so consistent in what it does because the entire thing is basically just cheap artifact creatures and then ways to make them freaking huge. You know, like this also runs all the glitters. That's that's where the Jeskai comes into it. Now, the more upgraded versions of this tends to drop the white in order to just have more interaction. Like you might have, say, like the Royal Scions to be able to to give something, like you said, with the, the pants deck, to be able to give something a bit of trample or a first strike or whichever to help try and punch through and then also cycle through the deck to try and find more stuff. Um, that kind of thing. That way it allows you to sort of sculpt the mana base a little bit more so that it's a little more smooth and you don't have to rely on things like Battlefield Forge and that kind of thing to get white mana and stuff. But overall, like this build that I have that we're going to be listing on our Patreon is $42 at the moment. Like that's not like you won't get a standard deck. So you won't get a basic standard deck for that much. It's mm. just super, super good. And it can be upgraded in steps. Actually, when I wrote for Hipsters of the Coast, I did a piece on it. I showed the upgrade path and it was, I'd say about six months ago at this point, but mm. it's so easy to upgrade it in stages. You know, like you can throw like yeah. an extra 40 into it, say like next month and then an extra 60 into it the following month. And you can do it easily in blocks like that, or you can do a bit at a time and the deck will still function the exact same and just slightly get better which I really, really like. It seems the one thing I love about the Insol decks is that the core just remains the same because yeah. it's pretty much just based on commons and uncommons at this point, right? And then you have a really cheap rare, so stuff like Ghostfire Blade is absolutely amazing in this deck just because yeah. it just pops through so much damage. And one thing I do like about this because a lot of artifact cards make really good sideboard options, you can use yeah. those sideboard options to kill people and just turn them into 5 fives if for whatever reason as well. So yeah. like you've you got Tormod's Crypt and you could just turn it into a 5 five and just body people. Um, yep. And another card I really like in the deck is Metallic Rebuke. That is like a fantastic counter spell in this mm. deck because you're just running so many artifacts, you're always going to get advantage from it. But yeah, if Pioneer was like a regular, super popular thing as it was like eight months ago, mm-hmm. I would be playing Is It in Soul because I think it's probably one of the most consistent decks in the format. I don't think there's ever been a time where it's been super bad and it's just mm. generally quite solid. But yep. yeah, th- this, this looks really, really great. I remember back in Standard when and soul was a thing then and it was just yeah. it was seen as a very janky deck back in standard <laughs> but no it's really really good that it's got legs in pioneer yeah when i play pioneer it's not often that i do anymore because it's pioneer for me now and that's not a very <laughs> attractive thing yeah i'm calling the pioneer <laughs> from now on until things change but sure look um <laughs> When I play pioneer when i play to have fun i play is it phoenix when i play to win i play in soul it's that simple now it's still fun don't get me wrong it's just a little more linear but it is great to shrapnel blast face it really is it it never gets old does it no never and what about you emma let's hear your number two again this is probably a little bit predictable but i'm really proud of this (laughs) list and it's i think it's worth talking about and that is golgari rock in modern so we're, we're going into modern I built a Golgari rock list for TCG player a little while ago because mm-hmm. I had a lot of people going, oh, you know, I want to build Jund, I want to build Golgari rock, but they're like thousands of dollars. Is there a good starting point to get me on this path? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll make a list. And this is yeah. the list. It's about $115, which is pretty good considering Golgari rock is close to $1,200 at the moment. 
And yeah. yeah, it's just a really good way to get you on that path if you want to play those kind of pile decks, which we were talking about in Pioneer. So Kogari Midrange is just all about two for one in your opponent and having this really good card quality. Um, even on a budget, is still really, really good. So you have stuff like Glint's the Siphoner, which is a really, really good placeholder on Dark Confidant because you can still draw cards. It means you can be aggressive with it because it's got Menace. It's just a really good way to generate card draw and still choose to be aggressive. Mm. And then you have stuff like Scavenger News, which got reprinted recently, which is a really, really good option because, you know, graveyards are so popular in the format. You've got stuff like Vraska Golgari Queen, which is a really, really good threat. And then you've got Davriel to rip cards out of opponents' hands. And then you've got my favourite, my leechy boy, my putrid leech. Why are you shaking your head? You just had to like fit this. that in here somewhere, didn't you? Oh, it's, 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 it's great. <laughs> What's wrong with Putrid Leech? Um, so yeah, Putrid Leech is a, like a half-decent placeholder on Tarmogoyf because you can pay the two life to make it a 4-4. Four, four. Um, in most cases in modern, on turn three, your Tarmogoyfs are probably like a 4-5 anyway. So mm-hmm. in terms of that, it's okay. As you're in black-green, you have all this incredible removal. So you have like... Yeah. Uh, Maelstrom Pulse, you have Eliminate, you have Cast Down, you know, you can throw some Fatal Pushes in there as well. And then you mm. have stuff like Inquisition of Kozilek and Agonizing Remorse, which is a really good placeholder on uh, Thoughtseize. So you're just yeah. looking to drain resources from your opponent and then kill people with the Putrid Bleach. And if you don't want to do that, then I'm, I'm sorry I can't help you because Putrid Bleach is great. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> I think, yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm laughing at Putrid Leech, but like, if I was given a choice between, you know, I'm looking here, it's 92 cents according to MTG Goldfish for a playset of Putrid Leech versus how much retirement goes for. You know what? Don't even tell me. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I, just, no. I will say like, they are expensive, <laughs> but they're the cheapest they have been for some time. They're still expensive, but they are more affordable than they were previously. Okay. But still, Putrid Leeches are cheaper. <laughs> yeah, significantly. Like, it's kind of diminishing returns when it comes to upgrades on decks as well. You know, like, yep. Putrid Leech will do, like, say, 70% as well as a Tarmogoyf would. But they're, like, 1%, if even, the cost. You know, you might be able to find something that's maybe, like, $5 that might be able to do, like, 80% of a Tarmogoyf impression or whatever. But mm. you start, you're going to see that you're going to start getting diminishing returns. For every dollar you put in, you're going to get less back. Yes. As you say, it's like it's like a dollar for a set. So yeah. you're going to get plenty of mileage of it. And also, I just think it's neat. Putrid Leech <laughs> is really, really neat. And I will keep singing its praises for as long as I'm doing budget magic. But no, so one thing that's really good about playing Golgari Rock in Modern is that it gives you a really good way to understand what you're up against and what to look mm. for and how to attack that deck. So yeah, like understanding resource denial and stuff is, is really good with this kind of deck. And eventually the card quality is so good, it's just you can slowly add stuff to it and you'll see the um, the success. That's it. Yeah, that's my number two. What's your number two? All right. I've got a dirty little secret. Okay. Right. So. It's fine, Scott. I'm so you. You, thank you. you normally, <laughs> you know, you know me for playing like combo decks and tempo decks and and jerk decks, basically, right? Yes. But I have a soft spot for martyr proc in modern, and I don't know why. <laughs> Just, That's great though. I really Mark like it. Great. It's really good. I I really enjoy it, and the reason that I'm putting this at number two, particularly now. This budget murder proc list. Like you were talking about it last week. Modern's in a really good spot at the moment. If you look at the league results, there are like 70 different decks. Like so many things are viable right now. And when a format and a field is that wide open, you can pretty much play anything. And as long as you've got a reasonable sideboard plan, 
yeah, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Like, as long as you have a general broad sideboard plan, like these deal with combo decks, or these deal with graveyard decks, or aggressive decks, or whatever, you're going to do great. One thing that's worth pointing out at the moment is that there are quite a few different iterations of, like, Death Shadow and Scourge of the Skyclave decks, and Burn decks, and Prowess decks, and all sorts of stuff, in addition to all of the combo decks and the piles and stuff. Now, while this deck may not be particularly good against, say, like, combo decks and that kind of thing, it wins, like, 95% of aggressive matchups. It's named after two cards, Martyr of Sands and Proclamation of Rebirth. Now, this build actually doesn't have Proclamation of Rebirth in it because Luris of the Dream Den is actually just strictly better in, like, every way. It runs, you know, your usual stuff, like like I said, the Martyr of Sands. Um, it's got a few Thraben Inspectors because I just can't deny the value. I, I love Thraben Inspector. Yeah. It's one of my favorite one-drops of all time. It's got Squadron Hawk for that cheesy old-school value. But I run it kind of like a toolbox deck using Ranger of Eos to be able to get different one-drops. So you have so many different one-drops in this deck. Like I said, it's Thraben Inspector and Martyr of Sands. But then you also have Speaker of the Heavens is kind of the beatdown for this deck mm. because it just keeps generating 4-4 flyers. Now, I would have Sarah Ascendant in here, only they are an extortionate price right now, so don't even consider looking mm. at them unless you're like full in on this kind of build. But this also runs a little toolbox. It's got Kami of False Hope to be able to fog. It's got Hope of Girapur to be able to stop non-creature spells. It's got Hex Parasite to be able to kill stuff with counters, specifically Planeswalkers. It's got Giant Killer to be able to kill stuff like Omnath uh, or Uro while still also providing you another body. And then it's got Walking Ballista that can be fetched off the Ranger as well because it's technically a CMC of zero. So you can use all of this to... Th- these can all be searched up using Ranger of Eos and be put onto the board to just give you little incremental bits of advantage. And then if they die, that's fine because Lurus can just rebuy them every turn. It also runs the four Mishra's Bauble as its card advantage engine to be able to just keep looping those with Lurus. And then you have different ways to be able to recur this stuff. So like I said, you have Lurus, but you also have an Emiria the Sky Ruin, which at the moment is a little expensive. It's $9, but you only really need the one copy. Which is basically, it reads, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control seven or more planes, you return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So you can just keep chumping with all your little creatures or whatever, or sacrificing them for the little value that they have. And then you can just keep getting them back with the Myriad of Skyrune and Lurus and all sorts of different ways to do this. The whole idea is to just eventually just grind your opponent down into powder and then just win with a few 1-1s or a couple of 4-4 angels. It's so good. I love it. It is so good. I don't know why I love it so much, but I just do. If there's nothing more I love doing in Magic, it's beating people down with white creatures that are also X-1s. It's just, that's my jam. But no, uh, Soul Sisters or Martyr Proc, whatever way you want to call it, they're just just really, really good because life gain is pretty, pretty good in the format and just being able to out-attrition your opponent without playing like Golgari Rock or, you know, like the pile decks. It's just a really good way to go about it. And the fact that you've got Lurus in here is great as well because you can just keep bringing stuff back. Also, I do love the Hex Parasite because that is low-key one of my favourite creatures in modern because it it rips up Gemso Mines for days and, you know, he doesn't like that. (laughs) <laughs> um, and also, at some point, you could put like a Heliod Songcrown as well and do that combo if that's yeah. something you want to do. But no, this is great. You've got a load of great white sideboard options as well. You know, mm. you've got Origin Fortender for for the burn matchup. Not that you probably need it, but it's nice to have just in case. And you can tutor it up. That's there mostly for Anger of the Gods. That really wrecks Fair. the game plan very hard. 
<laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, and then you got like Celestial Purge, and then you have Takati Honor Guard, which is really good as well. Yeah. Like, if I was on Bogles, like this would take forever to finish. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I am very aware that mill is also more of a thing now recently. So I have got mm. a single guy as blessing in the sideboard to be able yeah. to stop them from doing their thing. <laughs> I love that's the tech now. Just putting a guy as blessing in your sideboard. <laughs> <laughs> like definitely play this if you don't want to pretty much ever lose to the likes of burn, because it's like one of the most skewed matchups in all of modern. It's like ninety five percent to win every game. It's like it's like the Storm Eight Rack matchup, right? That's like pretty one sided for the eight rack. <laughs> it's, pre- it's pretty pretty bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, also if you do want to play like this kind of deck, probably play it on Magic Online first because there are a lot of triggers, and you will probably forget a few to begin with. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. But mm. yeah, that is my number two. What about your number one, Emma? So you, you mentioned it briefly when talking about Soul Sisters and Guy's Blessing. I'm going to talk about Mono Blue Mill. Oh. So with Zendikar Rising coming out, I mentioned it before when we were looking at the set from a budget outlook. Mm-hmm. There's some couple of new cards that really fit well into that shell. So the main one being Ruin Crab, which is your Hedron Crab 5 to 8. Given that Hedron Crabs are ridiculously expensive at the moment because they've just had the one printing back in original Zendikar. And we're only running like the four Ruin Crabs at the moment. But yeah, it's just mono blue mill, so all you care about doing is attacking the library and just making sure that they have no cards left in their deck. Um, you have Maddening Cacophony, which is a, a new addition as well from Zendikar Rising. Yeah. It's a really good glimpsey, unthinkable placeholder at the moment, especially as we're in mono blue. And then you have stuff like Sanity Grinding, and given everything's mono blue, you've got like Archmages and Charm as well, which helps that. Um, you can really mill people out. This list does not run Archive Trap because I realised Archive Trap, a placer, is now $100 and I don't know where that came from. (laughs) I was just like, what? (laughs) It's like madness. Yeah, you've got like Devastation Tide as like a way to bounce everything back off a miracle. And then you have stuff like Field of Ruin to trigger landfall off your Ruin Crabs as well and slowly mill people out. Mm. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, those traps are so expensive. Yes. God, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And then um, we've got Mission Briefing as well as a way to recast your mill spells later on if you're if you're in top deck mode. It's a really good way just to keep it going. You yeah. can also use Art Major's Charm to make people draw the last few cards as well, so it makes them mill out. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a good place. It's like a good starting point if you want to play mill in modern, which is quite popular at the moment. It's actually quite good. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's just a really good option. I enjoy Mill, so... Mill sweet. Yeah. It's, it's like the thinking person's burn, in a way. Yes, burn, but for the library. It's library destruction, essentially. But yeah, if, if you're looking to play Mill, like this list is just under $100, so it's it's a really good starting point. And then your sideboard, you have stuff like Jace's Phantasm as well, which is just a really good win condition if you want to close out the game sooner. Considering that this is technically burn, but for the library instead of the life total... Does that mean we should call it Liberny? Call it Liberny. <laughs> Liberny. I'm okay with calling this Liberny until we add the four other crabs. Then it's a crab. Yes, then it's yeah, a crab. Okay. That, yeah. that, that's the BM cast rules, by the way. I don't make them. I'm just abiding by them. Um, but yeah, in Japan they call it library destruction, which is a really elegant way of calling something mill. I, I just enjoy that little tidbit of information. I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's really elegant. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's my number one. 
Mill just seems really good at the moment. And if you just want to play something different that isn't dependent on like life resources or something that's combo, this is a mm. really unique way to win the game. For sure. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so what's your number one? My number one is, well, it had to be an it one. <laughs> oh. Surprise, surprise. Surprise Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, it's another modern deck. It's budget, is it Electro Dominance? Oh, I love me Electro Dominance. Yeah, this is one of the more expensive ones. This is like $160, so it's really pushing the edge of budget. But mm. it's just, it's so dumb. I love it. Like, the general game plan for this, by the way, if anyone hasn't played this before, is you want to get something out that will allow you to cast either crashing footfalls or restore balance early and then take advantage of the problem that you've put your opponent into so you want to maybe play like a, an as foretold on turn two or three or you might want to use an electro dominance to be able to cast spells for free off it like we said restore balance or crashing mm. footfalls but without having to suspend them and you have excellent ways to help you sort of get to the pieces that you need with the likes of Omen of the Sea and Serum Visions. And then also you have four Ancestral Vision in this list as well. So you can suspend that on turn one if you want to, or you can wait until you have something like an Electro Dominance or As Foretold to help you draw into the Restore Balances and that kind of thing. But it also has the Greater Gargadon plan where you can suspend that with the 10 time counters or whatever, and then you go to cast your restore balance, but with the restore balance on the stack, you sacrifice all of your stuff to Greater Garganon to remove all the time counters from it. Then your opponent has to do the same because you're restoring balance. Everyone has to have the same of everything. And mm -hmm. then you end up with a 9-7 with haste, and you just punch them probably twice because you have lightning bolts in this deck. You could have just bolted them or hit them with the stomp on a bone crusher giant, and, and they're dead. The one thing I love about this deck is that you can cast a Crashing Foot Falls on turn one by playing a Mountain or something and then a Simeon Spirit Guide. You exile it and then cast mm -hmm. Electro Dominance for zero and then cast your Crashing Foot Falls off it. It seems like a lot of steps to go through, but you'd be surprised how often something like that happens. Or even on turn two, if you just go land, land, Electro Dominance, Crashing Foot Falls, that's two four four Rhinos that they have to deal with like very, very, very quickly. That's a three-turn clock by itself. And if they don't deal with it, it's game over. And you can do it instant speed because electrodominance is instant as well. So you can yes. do like end of turn, electrodominance, you, oh, here's, here's two four fours, go into my turn. Yeah. Can you do anything about it? So here's a little story. As foretold, Living End is probably one of my favourite pet decks in modern just because mm. I love the idea of electrodominance with suspend. And I was very close to playing at a, a modern GP at one point just because I had so much fun with nice. it. But yeah, it's just great just to restore balance at instant speed. It never yeah. gets old. It's just gross. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really disgusting. And the thing is as well, if you, if you have an opponent that knows what they're doing against it, post board, you can just pivot because I have here the Madcap Experiment Platinum Empyrean mm -hmm. little two-card yeah. combo. The whole idea with Madcap Experiment Platinum Empyrean combo, if you don't know it, is you cast Madcap Experiment, you reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an artifact card. Platinum Empyrean is the only artifact that's in your deck. You then get to put that onto the battlefield and then you lose life equal to the number of cards that were revealed this way. So you could have Platinum Empyrean as even the bottom card on your library 
and then technically you should take like 50 damage or 45 damage or whatever but platinum mm. empyrean says that your life total can't change which basically means that you just get an 8-8 for like nothing essentially yes. you cast madcap experiment you know and you can get this out on turn two or turn three with a, a simian spirit guide or two like it's it's crazy it's just really good it's really dumb it's really fun i just really enjoy it is, yeah. is a great deck um yeah it's just really really dumb it's a dumb deck it's got some bone crusher giants so that you can put down a little bit of pressure if you need to or use mm. the stomp on it to um get around protection on something maybe or just burn face like who knows yeah. it, they're just nice universal cards great overall the reason I don't have Living End in here as an option is because they're actually just kind of expensive at the moment. They're um, very expensive. They're in need of a reprint. Yeah, they they've only had one printing, and yeah. given that effect, is just really really unique. It's just and it's just played in like one deck in modern. But no, it, it's really fun if you kind of want to play like a bad Splinter Twin deck. I guess <laughs> is the closest way to put it. Something like this is quite good, and although we might not see many suspend cards in the future. Mm. it's just a really cool way to cheese on some spells well you never know we could see some in modern horizons too this is true we did see footfalls in horizons one so yeah Mm. I think this deck is really, really good to play with if you like playing something that can control the board and keep things at bay and then just essentially just pivot on the dime and just, you know that look at me, I'm the captain now meme? It's like that, like look at me, I'm the beatdown now. That's basically what this deck does. It just turns around and just, I'm the beatdown. You have one turn to stop this or you're just dead. And it's so good. It's, it's great. One one thing that this has going for it as well is it's got like that niche deck feature that people just don't really know how to attack this. They're like, I, I guess yeah. I commit to the board. I, I don't know. Like, what do I do against this? Yeah, because you're like, because you're in red blue as well. So you're quite reactive. So you might, mm. you've got all these burn counter and burn as well. Not to mention, you know, four, four rhinos. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a really dumb deck. Really I love dumb. it. That's my top budget deck, I would say. Um, mm. If we didn't cover Twiddlestorm in the Mono Blue $100 Modern Colour Challenge, I would probably have that as number one. Mm-hmm. But this is my number one, given the constraints, I suppose. Yeah, I think mine was close. So I was considering Loxabots as well, but I covered that a little while ago. So Nice. All right. So let's go on to some Q&A. Yes, we've got a couple of questions. So Jonas Franz Kong asks, hey, what are your favorite online resources for brewing? And thanks for the great podcast, by the way. Thank you very much. Do you have any resources yourself that you like to use or is it just all in the noggin? Uh, Scryfall. It's it's Scryfall. Like once you get to know Scryfall and how it works and the little quirks with it and stuff, it's just so good. It's so, so good. I remember before I started properly doing content, I tried Scryfall and was like, oh, this looks like a little bit of like something I have to learn a little bit before I can mm. operate it. And then once I realized that it's actually not that difficult at all, I just breezed through it and then suddenly became an expert in like a day. I sat down for like an hour and went, okay, I'm going to learn how to work this. And oh my God, it is literally revolutionary. Like do not ever use Gatherer ever again. Do not use anything else ever again. It's just Scryfall. The Scryfall is just yeah. insane. Is the best tool yeah. for my resources so i like looking at goldfish once in a while just because mm. there's a lot of good options there also just like looking through like the 5.0 leagues on the magic online website and just getting ideas from there as well because yeah. 
as I mentioned last week, like modern is so open, you can kind of play what you want and do really well with it. So you can kind of see these weird and wacky brews and budget decks doing really, really well. So as like a point of reference, that's also quite good. Um, yeah. I will say about MTG Goldfish, that's where I store all of my decks because I love their visual view and I love the yes. fact this is something that most sites don't do is that when you hover over a card in MTG Goldfish, it shows up instantly. I know this seems like a little nitpick, but in so many other websites, like I love Scryfall, but I don't put them on Scryfall because when I hover over them, it takes a second for the image to load. And that's probably because they have higher image quality. But Mm. that little like half a second for it to load, I don't know what it is, but for me, it's extremely tilting. I just, I'm so used to goldfish being like super buttery smooth. Yeah, that's where I put it. Also, being able to, before you even hover over them, just see the converted mana costs and stuff, that's just really nice. I like having that little visual layout. I think my only issue with MTG Goldfish, which I wish they would fix, is that the instants and sorceries are broken up and it's not just all spells. Mm. Again, that's like me nitpicking. That's something I would like to see. But I I really like the Goldfish layout, especially now it's in dark mode, so I don't have to have a bright white screen because dark mode is life, just saying. Dark mode gang. (laughs) represent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you mentioned like mtg goldfish browsing around decks and stuff that is probably where i do an awful lot of research and um, now mm-hmm. it is worth noting that they like i i wouldn't put too much stock in their percentage breakdown of metagames and stuff because it's just simply not accurate because you can't be accurate when the league results only show decks that are significantly different from each other like if someone goes in and five o's a league a hundred times with the deck but only changes two cards every time they're only going to show one of those lists so there's no real yeah. way of generating an actual accurate metagame percentage but if you're using it to get an idea of the different decks that are doing well or have five out then it's fantastic because you can just see them all they're laid out so well and they've recently added an other section into the yes, formats when you scroll that, down to yeah. the very very bottom and you can just dig through there for like hours and find so many different decks they're so sweet yeah my favorite and also a big shout out to goldfish that put euro piles as one thing yes like complete so mad respect for that because you know yeah. you don't want 50 different kind of euro piles and just yeah. to prove that it's it's taken quite a lot of like the pioneer meta game in the modern <laughs> meta game for example yeah <laughs> the, the percentages for meta game might not be accurate but definitely take the euro piles percentage into account yeah. wizards if you're listening for yeah. for percentage of meta game yeah yeah do something about that yeah good stuff big fan of that <laughs> so Evie the Mage has tweeted in on the Budget Magic Cast Twitter, which is at BM at the BM Cast for those mm-hmm. who don't follow it already. Talking about a couple of commander cards. So Dual Nature, he says, is a card sitting pretty at just under a dollar, with foils being quite expensive because it's it's commander. This six mana card is insane in EDH, where you get a Table Wild Panharmonicon effect. So Panharmonicon is an effect where it doubles ETB triggers. Mm-hmm. And it pairs beautifully with Crafty Cut Purse. So Dual Nature is a six mana green enchantment and it reads as a lot of text, so bear with me. <laughs> Whenever a creature card comes into play, that controller puts a creature token into play that is a copy of that creature. Whenever a creature card leaves play, remove all tokens with the same name as the creature from the game. When Dual Nature leaves play, remove all tokens created from the game. And if you are familiar with Crafty Cut Purse, uh, it's one of my favourite cards to come from Ixalan. <laughs> 
It's a four mana 2-2 pirate that has flash, it's in blue. When that enters the battlefield, each token that would be created under an opponent's control this turn would be put under your control instead. So you can just mm-hmm. go ham and then steal all the tokens, which is pretty hilarious, if I'm honest. That's a cool little combo, yeah. not going to lie. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. That's that's sweet. I might have a couple of decks that that needs to go into, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so Dual mm. Nature and Crafty Coppers, both pretty sweet, gross together. Mm-hmm. Mm. And in Simic colours, because that, that makes it even more gross. Because I haven't vomited enough already. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com. You can follow us at the BMcast on Twitter, search for Budget Magicast on SoundCloud, and support us over at patreon.com forward slash budgetmagicast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.